Amen and amen. Be thou my vision. Oh, ruler of all. That's who he is. Did you know that about him? Uh, this morning we referenced a little bit about, uh, I don't know if you which service or maybe if it was both services. You know, I kind of, they run together for me sometimes. And uh, this morning we talked a little bit about um, the religious. Remember correcting the worship of another. Be careful about correcting the worship of another. Let me run that by you again. Be careful about correcting uh, the praise and the worship of another, okay? <clears throat> and remember what happened was they were singing too loud. They were praising too loud. And uh, Pharisees said, teacher, uh, rebuke your disciples. And we said that uh, we never should reserve the position of what type of song, when the song. And, um, and I have to ask the Lord to help me on that. It's not about my, it's not, I don't come in and sit the radio station to Terry's favorite channel. Um, but to be reminded that we're here to worship him and to praise him. And so this evening, if you, I was about to tell you this morning, uh, but this evening, if you have your Bible, if you will join me in the gospel of John, John chapter 12. Any of you guys glad to be here tonight? Any of you glad that God is among us? Any of you glad we saw four more baptized this week? Anybody glad of that? Hallelujah. Yes, he's a good God. And so here we are again. We find ourselves tonight under the authority of his word. And so uh, John chapter number 12, this is again tied in with the triumphal entry, and we're going to tie right into some uh, passages that Jesus uh, talked about, about dying and multiplying, and how, oh, 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 y'all hang on, hang on, we're good, we're good, y'all look like you're panicking, don't panic. And as we talked this morning about, um, the, there's a song we sang this morning that says, your kingdom flows in reverse, do you remember that? And uh, have you noticed that about the kingdom of God, it's, it's, it's opposite of what's down here. Um, you give, right, the last will be first. Um, and then tonight, there's a principle of the kingdom we're going to talk about that Jesus said in this last week on this particular day, uh, that we are, uh, the children of God die to live. And, uh, and that's, it's, a di- it's a different kind of principle, okay? And so uh, this is right after the, he's rode into town on that donkey, and we're picking up in John's gospel. And I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet tonight in honor of reading God's word. Since you've got nice and comfortable and set up, uh, I encourage you to stand to your feet, right? Sh- shake it up a little bit, get that blood flowing. And uh, let's dive in John chapter number 12. What I'm going to do is pick up in verse number 20, all right, and read down, if I can, to verse number 26. Does that be all right with you guys, 20 to 26? <clears throat> I wanted to point out one thing before we read that. Back in uh, chapter se- uh, verse number 17, rather, here in chapter 12, it says, uh, Therefore the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. I just want to make a little point here. Um, they were there on the triumphal entry. Who was there? Those people who had watched him say, Lazarus, come forth, and then... Lazarus come out of there still wrapped in grave clothes, and they were bearing witness, which means, y'all know what a, you know what bearing witness, what in the world does that mean? A witness does something specific, testifies. The, the weight of, a, the value of, a, of a, a witness is their testimony, and they're testifying of what Jesus did when he called Lazarus out of the grave, and watch what happens in verse number 18, real quickly. For this reason, what reason? The people who saw Lazarus come forth from the grave by Jesus' word, for this reason, for, they, for them bearing witness of it, telling of it, testifying. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. What's the point? Uh, the power of testimony and an invitation. I want you to go out and saturate the world uh, with the testimony of what you have seen Jesus do in your life. And you've seen him do around your life. Just like those who bore witness of Lazarus, you go bear witness of him calling you from death to life. And what you've seen God do in the lives of people around you, and watch, it'll draw them to him. And so don't miss that, that as you walk the journey, okay? Picking up in verse number 20, that was a little side note, okay? 
That all right? You primed up now? Okay, good. All right, here we go. Verse number 20. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, let's read this together. We wish, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip came and told Andrew, can you see me? He runs to Andrew. Hey, they want to see Jesus. And in turn, Andrew and Philip, they run tell Jesus. But Jesus answers them something specific, something peculiar, something a little weird, off, a little odd uh, in the flow of the conversation. Uh, and he says back to them, well, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him also follow me. Where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. Let's pause for a word of prayer. Will you bow with me? Would you ask the Lord just to open your heart and your mind to the Scripture? Just as you're, as you're bowed in prayer, just simply pray, Lord, would you open my heart and my mind to the Scripture? God, I thank you that you, the high King of heaven, ruler of all, are able to open our hearts to the understanding of your word. And I pray tonight that you would do that through this wonderful thing that you have ordained called preaching. And Father, I thank you that you've gifted me in order to do that. And I thank you for your spirit being inside of me. And I have no fear today of failure because you're going to be the one that I'm leaning on to bring this message to our hearts. Uh, Lord, I need it tonight and we need it tonight. And remind us through the preaching of your word that we really are desperate for you. And that dying to self is so critically important to the Christian journey. And, Lord, we thank you tonight that you're going to answer our cry. We cry for help to preach. And as you help me preach, let people see. Put it on display in front of everybody who sees it, whether they hear, whether they listen to a podcast later on, or they're somewhere in another location. Put it on display right in front of their eyes that you can use the simplest of people, the less than ordinary folk like me, people who have really messed up their lives, and you can use them to accomplish your great plan. And, Lord, as you do that, preach through me. Preach also to me and to every one of us. Tune our ears away from the voice of our flesh the distraction that we think we want to think about other things, uh, overwhelm our ability, our inability to stay focused and lock us in right now. Sit us on the front edge of our seat. And may we hear from heaven. We need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, some of you, like me, have struggled keeping your attention locked in. And so I have to say a special prayer for us uh, that God will help us keep our focus locked in where it needs to be. The title of our message tonight is Dying to Live. It's just simply that, Dying to Live. Now, you've heard before the phrase, live like you're dying. And in order to do that, in the world's principles, we're taught that uh, live each day and do whatever you want to do. And don't worry about what it costs. And don't worry about, you know, if you want to go skydiving, go skydiving. If you want to, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, live as if you're dying. Go do all the fun things. We, we had a message not too long ago called a bucket list. And uh, I said not too long ago. It's been about two years, I guess, now. Uh, but, but. Uh, you want to, it's this idea of living like you're dying. In other words, spend it all out, you know. And in the world's principles, that's not a very good principle. In the kingdom principle, it's a very good principle. And so we want to live as if we're dying. But how do we do that? We have to die in order to live that way. And so tonight, I want us to look at this reverse principle of the kingdom and Jesus' journey, triumphal entry into the city. And in, these, in this week, this holy week, that we look at the life and times of Jesus as he prepared and went to the cross on our behalf. And the main idea of our passage tonight, verse 20 to 23, if you package all that into one specific statement, it's this. Followers of Christ die to live. Followers of Christ die to live. And by the way, to follow Christ means you have to go where he went. 
It means you go where he's going. And he died in order to, for us to live. You understand that principle? He died and was buried, crucified, and rose again in order that we could live spiritually. It goes all the way back to the beginning of time with man. When man in the garden was promised, if he disobeyed God, if he went away from God, if he chose his own path and ate of that tree, that he would surely die. Do you remember that? And when God said it to Adam, it surely happened. Uh, They began to die physically, but more than that, they were spiritually dead. And he promised that he was going to solve that through the coming of his son. So let's rewind back to verse number 20, around verse 23. And I want to make a few statements, if I could, from the passage tonight. Main idea, followers of Christ die to live. In order for you to live your faith this week, you're going to have to do some dying. In order for you to live out uh, a faith that is vibrant, a faith that applies to the workplace, to the business world, to the schoolhouse, uh, to wherever you find yourself. You're going to have to die. I'm going to have to die to some ways that are natural to us. Anybody tracking with me tonight? There's going to be, there's going to be a necessary dying process that needs to happen every day this week, every moment this week, every hour this week. All right, number one, write this down. We're going to find this in verse number 23. And I want you to write it in your notes there. And it is uh, the whole purpose of the mission. All right? And we're going to talk for just a minute about the purpose of the mission. Now, we're going to look in the context of Jesus' mission And then, of course, we're going to talk about how that applies to me and you and as we live the mission. Now, the theme for 2023 as a gathering is, y'all remember what it is? Now, wait a minute. Y'all sound like you're sad. Live the mission, you know. Uh, No, no, no. Listen, we've been invited into something. i got to stoke up the fire a little bit in you. I can see you got to wake up. We've been invited to something that we didn't do that somebody else did. We've been invited into a work that was already begun that people have been doing and serving for a long, long time, and we've been invited into that, and we've been granted the privilege of serving him by living out the mission, and that ought to be something we ought to say, what's the thing this year? Live the mission. We get to go live the mission of God. And so now let's think about what that means. What is the purpose of the mission? Look at verse number 23. First, the scene, what's happening? Jesus on their way, and they're coming into Jerusalem. There are Greeks among them, and obviously the Greeks have heard something about this Jesus. And so they come to Philip. You know, these are not Jews. They're, they are Gentiles. And they come to Philip and they, and they come to him and they say, sir, can you see him? Sir, uh, we wish to see Jesus. Something has piqued their interest. Uh, somebody, and I'm just, uh, I'm going to embellish you a little bit. Uh, maybe it was one of those that we looked at back in verse number 17 that was talking to one of these Greeks. Hey, man, let me tell you, you're not going to believe this. There's a guy here. There's a guy here. I know that you're a Gentile and I'm a Jew, but listen, there's a guy here in town, and he just came in on a donkey, and you're not going to believe what I saw him do. I, do you got a minute so I can tell you? Yeah, man. I mean, sure. We, you know, we're from different parts of the world, but uh, go ahead, you know. And all of a sudden, the, the, the one who saw the resurrection of Lazarus begins to say, well, we, there was this guy named Lazarus, and he had been dead for several days, and there was a tomb. He was in the tomb, and they, he was wrapped, you know, and, and Jesus came to the graveyard and told us to roll the stone away. And some of us were reluctant. I mean, as a matter of fact, some of them sort of argued with him a little bit. You remember? It was some of the ladies that said, we're not going to do that, Jesus. Uh, if we do that, there's a smell. Are you sure you want to roll the stone? And he said, y'all roll the stone away. And they did. And would you believe, now you can see that Greek person just listen. Now, wait a minute. What is this guy talking about? And he said, man, I'm telling you, I was there. I saw it in my own eyes. He, he just, this man that's here in town, he rode in on a donkey. He walked to the edge of that thing, and he simply called his name. He didn't mash up any berries. <clears throat> he didn't perform any black magic. He, he didn't make any potions. 
this guy, and his name is Jesus, he, he walked up, and all he simply said, I heard him with my ears. You can ask Bill over here. Bill, tell him. Bill jumps in and says, yeah, man, I saw the whole thing. It's the most amazing thing. He's here. He's in town. His name's Jesus. And what he did was he just said, Lazarus. And Lazarus come hopping out of there, still tied up in his grave clothes. We saw it. Craziest thing. And then Jesus, that guy, Jesus said, y'all take the grave clothes off of him. Because you can't get around in your grave clothes, right? And so, and, and so don't you know that, that, that those Greeks are like, wait a minute, what's his name again? Jesus. And where is he? Oh, he's here in town. And so now what are they doing? They want to go see him. And they want to find out a little more about this Jesus. And when you and I are living our life as a testifiers, as witnesses of Jesus, and we're talking about what he's doing and what he's doing in our lives and what he's doing in the lives of people around us and married people and single people and, and parents and children, and in our lives, we begin just talking in organically, everyday life. Let me tell you about this Jesus and what he's done for me and how he spoke life to where death reigned. And all we start talking about all these things. They say, man, tell me some more. And, and interestingly enough, they want to learn a little more. I want to hear a little more about this Jesus. And they come looking for him. And it says in these first few verses, sir... I bet they did. We want to see Jesus. We want to see the guy. Now, we're glad to see you. We're glad you're here. You know, give us a high five. But listen, we don't want to waste any time. We want to see this. We want to see Jesus. Well, on the other end of the thing, you would be expecting because Jesus wants people to come to him, right? Sure. And so you would expect that as, let's watch the process of this. They come to Philip, and then Philip goes to Come on now, y'all still in your nap. Uh, Andrew. Philip came and told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip together went and told. They come to Philip. Philip comes to Andrew. Hey, man, listen, I got some guys over here. They're not, they're not Jews, but they want to. They, can you believe it? They want to see Jesus. They want to meet him. They want to put their eyes on him. Uh, they want to listen to what he has to say. Uh, they want to see Jesus. They're coming to see Jesus. And I'm sure Andrew was like, man, are you kidding me? That's awesome. Let's go get him. And so both of them go together, and they go talk to Jesus, and Jesus has a very interesting answer. Uh, and the answer uh, helps us to see that um, there are no, there, a lot of times in life we generalize our faith when, in, when in really the truth is our faith is very specific, specific times, specific places. Um, God does different things in your life than he does mine under the same principles, but it's different. It's unique. Everybody's experience in life is different. Truth is absolute, but the uh, call, living out of that is a little different, right? Your context, my context. So uh, Jesus answers them because you would expect them to see, uh, hear Jesus say, well, okay, hurry up and bring them to me. But not this time. Not at this hour. There was something greater about to happen. Now, I want you to see the context of this. Uh, the purpose of the mission. Let's, let's read a little further. Verse 23. And Jesus answered and said, well, well here's the problem. Basically, here's the tone of his voice. We've got a problem, guys. I could either go visit with these couple of, of Greeks and share some truth with them, which they're probably going to reject because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And I've not, I've not died. There's not been an accomplishment for the Jew and the Gentile alike. And so I could go and talk to those two. Or, or I could go to the cross and because every, listen, every detail of this week is specifically planned out and ordained in a perfect sequence because God is perfect. And everything has to unfold according to the master plan of God. Every detail of every conversation, every meeting, every meal, every bit of it had to happen. And these two Greeks could have, or these, these Greeks could have unsettled that plan if God wasn't God. In other words, I've got a choice. Okay, guys, I'm going to go meet with these two or I can go pay for the sins of the world. And the point he's going to make in a minute is that it's necessary for me not to just go converse with these, with these Greeks. It's necessary for me to go make a peace agreement 
It's necessary for me to go appease the wrath of the Father on their behalf, on your behalf, and on behalf of the sins of the entire world for all time. You see one's a little bigger than the other. Anybody see it? A little bit bigger picture here. So the purpose of the mission is found in verse number 23. He says, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And the Son was glorified not in the uh, individual conversations he had, although that was part of it. Because every word that proceeded from the mouth of God is absolute truth and has the power to transform and to change. And so he's saying, you know, conversation with these guys would not be a sinful thing, but it's not the most beneficial thing to the mission. What is the mission of Jesus' life? To glorify God. Ultimately, how? Through his death and resurrection. For, for the, the ultimate sacrifice of God's expression of love to the world. And the scripture says this in the book of Romans, God demonstrated his own love towards us. He didn't say it, hey, I love you all down there. You know, I know things are a mess, but I, and just, just remember, I love you. But he screamed it from the cross when the son was glorified in total obedience to the father. And as he went all the way to the cross and died in our place, uh, he was glorified in his death and resurrection. And so he says there's a bigger purpose than just a, a conversation with some of these Greeks. Now, what he was about to do had the power to save these same Greeks who were looking for him. Notice also, we're going to get to a bigger picture in a minute. I'm going to move on uh, now to number two in your notes, all right? So number one was the purpose of the mission. What is it? To glorify God. And for Jesus, it was through the death and resurrection, right? Uh, through you and I, it's also a part of dying. It's instead of us dying on the cross, it's us dying with Christ on the cross to our old self. And instead of us being resurrected from the dead in bodily form, which will happen later, it's coming, coming later, we've been resurrected to live now a resurrected life. The life of Christ being produced in us by the power of the Spirit, nourished by the Word, encouraged by the church. You see that? Anybody still with me tonight? I know I'm covering some ground, but I need you to stay with me. And so we see the mission, the purpose of the mission, rather, is to glorify God. Why has God called you to die to yourself and live for Him to glorify His name? Why has he called you to go out in the world and testify on the ball field, in the workplace? Why has he called you to not be a chicken little and a secret agent of God? Why has he called you to be out loud and out front and testifying? Uh, because he's glorified in the way in which he changes our lives. So tonight, the purpose of the mission is to glorify God. If I was to ask you later on tonight, hey, listen, by the way, what's the purpose of the mission we're called to? You would be able to say to look at you, to glorify God. God, that's the purpose of the mission. Jesus is with through death and resurrection. Ours is through a dying and, and a resurrection, but it is what Jesus has done for us instead of us doing it for ourselves, okay? <clears throat> Number two, and you notice the process of the mission is dying. Okay, would you write that down? The process of the mission is dying. Now, this is the part that we struggle with. Somebody amen with me? You know, dying is a hard thing. And, and I don't just mean uh, physically dying. That's a hard thing, processing that and going through that. And even with great faith, process of dying is a difficult thing because, you know, we've not, we hadn't experienced that yet. And sometimes the unknown sort of makes us a little unsettled, doesn't it? And so the process of dying is a difficult thing. And then more so than that, I believe the process of the mission is dying here on earth while we're still alive. That is the most difficult. Let's talk for a minute about verse number 24. Most assuredly, <clears throat> I say to you, now remember the flow of the context there's some people who are wanting to come and see Jesus. Uh, probably their desire is to see somebody they've never seen before and maybe even be impacted by him, <clears throat> okay? Uh, most of the time when we go look for somebody who has, is the answer, there's a reason. And so they're going to look for him, and they want to go meet with him. But let me ask you something. If all the Greeks wanted to come and meet with Jesus at one time, could they? No way. 
Uh, what if they wanted to meet with him in Greece and, and Jerusalem at the same time? Could they? No, because Jesus had chosen to be limited in bodily form to what? One location. And wherever he was, he wasn't multiplied. He was singular, right? He's one spot at one time. If you wanted to go hang out with Jesus while he was here on the earth, you had to go where Jesus was. Now we're going to see the, this, what, what's going to happen by his dying, okay? So remember the flow of the context. You almost think that Jesus is like putting them off by saying, <clears throat> I don't have time for those guys, you know? I've got something else to do. But, but then he tells them the whole purpose of it all, okay, uh, the process of this mission. So he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and it remains alone in one spot, in one location, by itself. And the seed he's talking about, the grain he's referencing to here is himself. And what he's saying in essence is, I can, I can, if I spend the rest of my days here on earth uh, in this process of time meeting with people individually, I'll never get to what the, the whole process of this thing is for me to die. The whole point of all this is for me to die so that I can multiply in the hearts of every person who will call my name. So that my presence can be inside of every person everywhere all the time. Isn't that beautiful? And so you, you begin to see now, he's not being mean. He's not saying I don't have time for them. He's saying I've got, got a bigger mission for them. Uh, I've got a bigger means and hope for them. Not just for them, but for their kinsmen, for their family members, for those people back in Greece, for the people over in Ethiopia, for the people over in, well, later on to be the Americas. And we learn that really what he's saying here is that uh, this whole mo- this mission, the purpose of it is to glorify God, but the process of me accomplishing it is I've got to die. And if I stay in conversation with people, I'm not going to go to the cross. And if he doesn't go to the cross, guess what? We have no hope. We have no hope of eternal life, of forgiveness. And so the process of Jesus' mission is dying. In order for him to do what he's called to do and what God's ordained for him to do is for him to, y'all say it with me, to die. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it's going to remain alone. In other words, I can stay in one spot at one time and we can try to meet people one at a time And my goodness, can you imagine trying to do that right now with, what, around 7 billion people on the planet? Wouldn't it be hard if today you you had to get an appointment to meet with Jesus? You ever thought about that? If you had to today, the only way you could ever have any hope to be impacted by Jesus was for you to sit down and have a conversation with him over in, let's say, Jerusalem. And that's the only way you could do that. But there's 7 billion people who want to do the same thing. I wonder where you'd fall on that list. I wonder where I'd fall on that list. There would never be enough time in our earthly lives to ever get the chance to be impacted. And that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, The whole purpose of this is that I would die like a grain of wheat. And what a beautiful picture that God has put into the law of the harvest. That something has to die and go into the ground and then come forth, bursting forth in life. Wow, what a picture. And so as you're preparing and processing your garden, think about the process of the mission to produce a harvest has to first have the seed dying and going into the ground and then it might reproduce. So back in verse 24, <clears throat> it remains alone. But here's the cue. If it dies, will you turn that down just a touch, Justin? Thank you. But if it dies, it produces, y'all help me, much grain. So if it stays in one spot at one time, uh, it's going to just be there. So we can only talk to so many people so many times and so many places at one place. But he says, my, my desire is that I came here, the process of this mission, so that I can die, so that I can multiply and be in the hearts of somebody. I'm so thankful today that Jesus Christ is in my heart. He's inside of me. Uh, I don't have to go, set, you know what I mean? I can just talk to him. I can get along with him. Uh, I, he'll talk to me. 
uh, he'll comfort me. I can get in the Word and, and get on my face and pray. And, and we're together, man. And, and I'm telling you, it's, it's the, if, if you haven't experienced it, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have, you got a smile, hopefully creeping up. I'm trying to coax it out of you. Uh, that it ought to swell up in you that you get to talk to Jesus anytime. He's always got time for you. Uh, but the process of getting there is, is him dying. If it dies, it produces much grain. Uh, think about how many disciples have been made since Jesus died 2,000 years ago and was buried in a tomb and three days later rose again. Good night. Think about how many we've seen just here. Think about how many that we saw come to faith in Africa while we were there. I mean, it's unbelievable how many people have come to faith because the grain of wheat, Jesus died and was placed in the ground. And now, whosoever will call on his name, he'll come and take residence inside of their life. Wow, hallelujah. The process of the mission is dying, but it's the same for me and you as well. In order for the life of Christ that's in us to be produced in the lives of others, we also must die. And our dying is not on a cross. And I just want to stop right now and say, thank God I didn't have to die on a cross to go to heaven. Let me ask you a question. If the assignment was... You had to make plan, travel plans to Jerusalem, and you had to be scourged, chained to a rock, and beaten with a cat of nine tails. And at any time, you could hold up a red card, and, and they'll release you and go home, but you're not going to heaven. And you had to endure the 39 lashes with the cat of nine tails. Now, that's not to save your enemies. This is to save your, you, your own hide. Would you endure the 39 lashes? Would you endure the spit-saturated face? Would you endure them dressing you up like a puppet king? Would you endure them putting you on trial and people picking the, the criminal over your innocent self? Although you and I are not innocent. Would you be, would you, would you be willing? Yes, I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep my red card in my pocket and keep on whipping on me. Keep spitting on me. Keep punching me. Keep blindfolding me. Keep making fun of me. I'm keeping my red card. I've got a red card. If I flash the red card, I'm out of here. I get to go home, but I'll never go to heaven. I'll tell you the answer in case you don't know it already. We wouldn't even die on the cross to save our own self, much less our enemies, but Jesus, willingly. And he didn't need a red card, by the way. He said it this way. If I should think about the thought, I could call. He said, make no mistake, I could call on my father who would send legions of angels. At any time, he could have quit. But he went all the way to the cross. See, the process, the, mission, the process of this mission is dying. In order for me to live it out every day for others, there is a dying that has to take place in my own heart. Let me give you an example. So we have this command in Scripture in Matthew 28. Y'all help me. Which verses? I love it. Somebody's like, 19 and 20. Here he goes. Here he goes. Uh, go, therefore. And by the way, let me pause right here to say this. Uh, the more I preach on it, the more I harp on it, the more I drive it and drill it and, and keep putting this on the exits on your way out. The more that I do that, the more I see discipleship happening. And I want to say thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to risk you getting sick of hearing me say it so that one day it will finally grab a hold of your heart and you'll figure out that's the only reason he saved you was to die to yourself and to multiply. And if you hadn't got that figured out, that's why things are unsettled. That's why you're not feeling the abundant life and the joy that comes with it. If you're just sitting and soaking and coming to preaching and, boy, you're loving it and you're enjoying good Bible study and, and you go do a few mission things and you're not making disciples, I'm telling you, you're missing it. And he says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, there's the discipleship, to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, don't forget this, I am with you. Always, even all the way up until the end of the age. You don't have to do it in your own street. I'll do it for you. But you'll have to die to yourself. You'll have to die to hold the steering wheel. You'll have to die to run in the blinker. You'll have to die to when you want to change the lane. You'll have to die to the destination that you set your car to go. You'll have to die to the maintenance schedule. You'll have to, I wish somebody pick up what I'm putting down. I'm talking about driving your car, but really I'm talking about living your life. 
And I want you to know it's not just about him taking the wheel. It's about him taking the car, the vehicle, the maintenance schedule, putting the oil in, keeping the tires on. But it's a matter of me not taking control of all of that. I've got to die to that or it'll never multiply. Some of us in here have never multiplied. We've never, we've never produced one other disciple in the kingdom of God. Some of us in this very room. Now, we don't know who we are because we all are here and smiling and we got our Bibles. And, <clears throat> but some of us in here have never made another disciple. And we sort of stopped, the, if you will, think about the process of multiplication. And it came to us. Somebody loved us enough to tell us. And somebody died enough to their self and their plans and their agenda to tell us or to preach the good news to us. And then it got in our heart and we just sort of started going to church. And bam, right there it stops. And people see us, they say, hey, he's a good old boy. He goes to church. Man, he loves, you know, I think he loves God. He's always at church, which is, by the way, not a negative thing. <clears throat> but it ought to produce something in you. All the coming and learning ought to produce a going and teaching. Um, and so, but, but, listen, it'll never happen unless the grain of wheat does what? Oh. So the process of the mission is what? Dying. The process of the mission is dying. So he died that he may be in us. We have to die in order that he may be in others. Does that make sense? We die to our agendas, our plans, our dreams, our goals, our comforts, even our safety in order that we may share the good news of the gospel. So the purpose of the mission is to glorify God. The process of the mission is dying. Jesus showed us the example, and we now follow in his footsteps. Thank God it's not to the crawl, a Roman cross. Um, but I'll just tell you, uh, we ought to just be willing to lay down our plans and agendas and dreams and goals in order that he may be glorified. Third thing I want you to see, third thing I want you to see is, if you will, the consequences of our choices. Uh, whether we'll die to ourselves or we won't. <clears throat> and by the, by the way, it's the only choice we have. Uh, we either die to ourselves or we won't. It's just two choices. And so read with me, if you will, the consequences of our choices. We are in now, verse number, y'all help me. 20, see, I love expository preaching. We just follow right along verse at a time. Verse 25. So Jesus, remember, they, they brought some guys, these Greeks that want to come see him. Hey, we heard about this Jesus. We heard that he calls people from the dead. We want to see him. And so they do that. They come and tell one. One tells the other. They, Andrew and Philip, go to get Jesus. Hey, Jesus, guess what, man? There's some guys, there's some Greek guys. They want to come sit and hang out with you. And Jesus says, not time for that right now. Right now, the hour has come. Right now, the time has come that the son uh, would be glorified. And then he goes on to say, so that's the, uh, that is the purpose of the mission is is to glorify God. Secondly, then he talks about the process. He says, I'm, a grain of wheat has to die. I've got to go die. I have to. I must. And it's on a schedule. It's on a time frame. I must go die at just the right time uh, for the sins of all mankind. Well, let's look at verse number 25. Jesus does a little teaching now. As he talks about his own life, he begins to teach uh, those around him. And by the way, wasn't he the master teacher? <clears throat> he taught. Uh, I love it. Somebody said to me one time, teaching time with Terry, and they kind of laughed. And I said, you know, um, Jesus... His whole life he taught. And he was the master teacher. In verse 25, he who loves his life, listen to what he says. So he, he shares with them a little something about what's going on. But then he makes some personal application for them. Hey, guys, remember. Can you hear Jesus? Hey, guys, remember. He who loves his life will, yeah. If you're not willing to die to your plans, your agendas, your ways, you're going to lose it. It's going to slip out from under you. Um, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it. For eternal life. Now, what does that mean? That he loves eternal life so much he's willing to let go of his plans and his agendas and his dreams. If you love your life here, you're going to keep it. You're not going to hate it. You're going to keep it and you're going to cling to it. And you're, all your focus is going to be about it. <clears throat> and it's not going to be the kingdom life. And it's going to be evidence that you never were born again. 
okay? He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, I want you just to think about verse number 25. What that means simply is this. If we hold on to this life, the temporary things of this world, we die. We die spiritually. We, we remain dead. We never become alive. We, we end up spending eternity separated from him, right? If we hang on to what we have here, if it's all about here. But if we're willing to die, if we're willing to die to our ways, our plans, and we stop worshiping the temporary things of this life, we'll begin to truly live. But here's the good news. He's gentle and lowly, and he gives you the choice. Did you know that he could make you choose what he wanted you to choose? He'd break both of your arms, break your leg. You know, God could, when I said this morning, some people were like, oh, wait, wait a minute now. He's talking sort of harshly about God. Uh, you need to read a little, some of the Old Testament principles of God that when people would even just talk, they wouldn't even talk about God. They'd just talk about Moses, God's man. And God split the ground open with their kids and everybody screaming and swallow them up. So he couldn't, listen to me. You need to understand something about God. He could make you. But he's gentle and lowly. And what he desires for me and you is what I'm going to call a reciprocating love. He already loves us, but what he desires is for us to, oh, man. He wants us to love him. And he don't want to break our arms to have to do it. Uh, he wants us to love him because of his goodness, not because of his wrath. He wants us to love him because he's kind and gentle and lowly, and not because there's punishment if we get outside the lines. He's not, listen, he's not inviting us to a relationship of reward when we do right. He's inviting us in a love relationship that loved us when we were at our darkest, deepest, most miserable hour. And he's inviting us into a relationship. So, and listen to what he says. Uh, he who loves his life here is going to lose it. <clears throat> if you hang on to what you have here, if it's all about the temporary, you're going to lose it. But if you'll, if you'll love and cling to that which is eternal. And the problem with me and you is this. You ready? We think we can do both. You know, don't we do that? We want to sort of mingle them, you know, to do our Sunday thing, but then we want to do our Monday thing. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to reduce it down a little further. <clears throat> we want to do our Sunday morning thing, and then we want to do our Sunday night thing. Now, let me just show you a little snippet, a little snippet that proves that. Um, okay, you ready? We're just going to talk some just generalities here. And, and so this morning, <clears throat> we had two services that were full of people in this one room. We only got one room, but we filled it up twice. And the second one was a little more full, I was about to say fuller, a little more full than the early worship time. Matter of fact, they were getting seats outside the room, okay? Now, can you imagine if everybody that was here this morning was as hungry for what they could have learned tonight and engaging in praise with the people of God, uh, what would happen is if everybody came back? We'd have a situation on our hands, wouldn't we? And, and I'm t I just want you, I said, what would happen if, and this has never happened in the uh, August to be 18 years, what would happen if we had to go to two services on Sunday night? Now, staff just lost three heartbeats, and they just about fainted. <laughs> and our nursery workers and the, and the media team and everybody, and Nora, I know she said, she said, our hands are tired. Preacher talks too fast. But what if? Wouldn't that be a great thing? But the reason that we don't, you know why? Because we don't like to die to our selfish ways. We think we can do both. Let's, you say, well, does it mean then that if I don't come Sunday night, I'm not saved? Well, heavens no. But it's a pretty big indicator on whose agenda and plan that I'm living out in my life. Would y'all, I mean, is that an accurate statement? That's an accurate statement. See, <clears throat> they're what I call uh, signs that, sh that prove things, little small indicators. In other words, when you got a little something going on with your vehicle, that little engine light comes on. Don't you hate that thing? <clears throat> and that thing comes on, you don't know what in heaven's name is going on, but you know something ain't right. 
And we have little indicators in our life, and one of them is your faithfulness to gather with the people of God. So I want you to think about that. You see, you see, we think we can do both. Well, I can just do a little Sunday morning, then I can go to the ball field Sunday afternoon, or I can go Sunday morning, and then Sunday night I'll just be kind of tired. I want to get the week set up. And, you know, life's really about how much I am able to, you know, enjoy my day. And, my goodness, why wouldn't you enjoy sitting under the preaching of the Word and lifting your voice in praise with the people of God? Learning, growing, getting stronger in our faith. So we think we can do it. And I said we, not you, we. And we believe the lie that we don't have to die in order to live. We're in this system down here that says live to live. Have fun to live. Enjoy life and you'll be living. See all the beaches and all the mountains and tour the country and, you know, just enjoy every day and you'll be living. And now the Scripture says you've got to die to your ways in order to live. And, and I want to say to you this, the days that I do, and I don't always do it, you don't always do it, but the days that I do that I die to my old selfish ways, I really do experience the abundant life. It's an amazing thing. You can't buy it. You can't manufacture it. You can't, you can't muster it up in your, in your cognitive uh, function. You can't think it through and make it happen. But, man, when you, when you and I, when we walk in loving obedience and we stay near to Jesus and we die to what we want to do and we do what he wants us to do, it's, it's life, man. I was thinking about this weekend, all the things. I said, you know, I went Friday, but I knew the Lord had called me to go on Saturday. And I said, I got things to do Saturday. We got 100 things we could be doing Saturday. And I really just wanted to do those things. Can I just tell you, I really had some other things I wanted to do Saturday at home. You probably had some things you wanted to do Saturday instead of going and serving. I did. I had, so, I had so much stuff. But I just knew there were people hurting and they were need, needing some meals and some love and some smiles and some and I just didn't want to go, man, especially at 3 o'clock in the morning when that alarm clock went off. I just didn't want to. Can I be honest with you and tell you that I'm, I'm selfish like every one of us are. But, man, we got down there and just got to serving together and having my faith family around me mixing pancake batter. And Man, I got to know Curtis better. than I'm telling you, we had a blast mixing them pancakes, didn't we? And we had so much fun serving. And I, that's the abundant life. Now, I'm telling you, on Friday, I almost missed it by saying, well, there's enough people going. They can go because I need to cut my grass. I need to, I got stuff in the building needs to be, I got the back pot, I got all this stuff. Got grandkids, I got all this stuff that needs to be done. But man, when we die to our plans and our agendas, I came back so full of life. Not by what I did, but what others did. Being around other people who were praising God with no home. And, you know, it's just amazing what God, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a reverse kingdom, it really is. Oh, we're so duped in this Western way of thinking that we get to plan our own schedules and agendas when it must be dying in order to live, all right? So we said the consequences of our choices are very great, all right? Number four, and there are just five, so you all hang on, listen close, listen fast, and we'll be able to let the Lord just kind of do what he wants to do as we close. All right, verse number 26, I want to talk for just a second about uh, the position uh, of our dying. Now, what I mean is following or leading, all right? So just think about that for a minute. Uh, the position of our dying. Now, this is going to be found in verse number 26, and there's a couple of things I want to pull out here. If you look with me, Jesus, remember, they've come and they said, these Greeks want to see you, and Jesus says, not time for that right now. Right now, the mission is, it's time, the hour has come to the Son to be glorified. And then he explains why. He, he tells them, I'm not being mean. I'm not pushing these Greek people away. Matter of fact, I'm going to die so they can multiply and they can, everybody can come in. And so this mission is greater than just two. And so we see the process of mission is dying. And then we see the consequences of our choice. If we hang on to what we have here, we're going to lose everything. If we let go of what we have here, we'll gain everything. Abundant living. 
Number four, the position of our dying. Now, the first thing I want you to see is in verse 26, and I want to just ask you to write down these two words, one master. One master. All right? Now, look, verse 26. If anyone serves me, I want to just ask you to think about that phrase for a minute. If anyone serves me, can you imagine for a minute what it would be like to go and, and meet Jesus somewhere and see his hands with the scars, you know, from the nails, and to see his brow uh, with the scars from the nails, and to see him, see him in his glory, and to be able to maybe, I don't know, for me, I like to cook for people. Uh, can you imagine cooking a meal for him? How many of you in here like to cook? Raise your hand. Oh, look at here. Son, I'm amongst my people, I'm telling you. Can you imagine what it would be like to fix a meal for Jesus? Like, I saw Todd raise his hand back there. Man, I know he loves the cooking. That dude can do it. Can you imagine if you knew that he was coming this weekend and you and Marie got to fix a meal for him? And he's come to your house, nobody else's, and he's coming to the baker's house, and y'all get to pick out what you're going to cook. Can you imagine how you would do that? How many of you here have the ability to work on vehicles, you know, can, can work on mechanical things? Now, wait a minute. Some of y'all are like, I ain't raising my hand because everybody's going to be calling me. See, right now you'll have to die to yourself. Okay, one more time. Now the moment of truth. How many of you here, y'all get your notepads ready. All right, how many of you here are able, mechanically inclined, can work on things that are broken? All right, can you imagine, can you imagine if Jesus was to come to you and say, hey, he had something broke down and he could have fixed it, but he chose to let you fix it, and you're going to work on Jesus' car. And he, he could have gone to any shop in the world, um, but he chose to come to your shop, and he's bringing his vehicle to your shop to work on. And can you imagine what that would be like? You see him come in, you know, and, and he's in the, in your, at your house and he's got the scars in his hands. And he's got perfect peace and kindness and, and the glory of the Father and, 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 and grace and truth. And he sits down. Can you imagine, boy, you, hey, you wouldn't get aftermarket parts, would you? Huh? Come on, somebody. Listen, you, you'd have, can you imagine how you'd serve him? What if, what if, I'm, I just saw Doug, what if Doug, if, if, if Jesus came to you and he said, I'm coming to the Ross female and I'm gonna, I'm, I chose your female to feed Jesus' horses or his cows. And you think about how you'd check the grain and you'd be checking that stuff twice and making sure everything was the highest quality. It's Jesus, nail scar. He comes, in, comes down to Ross female, got the scars in his hands and shows up on the premises and he's buying, he chose to buy, he's buying for his horses, he's buying from you. And how you would fix that up. They may be in a different bag, you know, for Jesus. I don't know. I want you to think about what you do and how you serve. And if, if he was to choose you, come to your, your place. Uh, I, I just saw, I saw Robbie over there. I thought about, you know, can you imagine if Jesus was coming to New South near spine and they're going to work on his, you know, he's got a problem in his back. I don't know. And he comes in the nail scar and he comes into the waiting room. And there, um, can you imagine? You're probably going to sit out there with him personally. You know, you, you, you consider for a minute what you do. And if Jesus, and this is what he says now. If anyone serves me, and it's interesting that he would even say that because, because what he's saying is something very interesting is that we even have the capacity to serve him. That he would let somebody as sinful and stained and tarnished and broken as me to have the capacity to serve him. And you're thinking right now, how do you serve him because he's in heaven? Well, the scripture says it this way. If you served as much as a cup of cold water to someone in my name, you have served it unto me. That's what Jesus said. So you are, in fact, serving Jesus every time you serve someone in Jesus' name. Now then, that changes things, doesn't it? If anyone serves me. Now, some of us claim to follow Jesus, but we can't follow him unless we are 
serving him. Those two are the same. Somewhere we got the lines separated, and we think that serving him is one thing and following him is something else. But Jesus connects them here when he says, if anyone serves me, let him also follow me. So if he's serving me, he needs to follow me and do it the way that I do it. And what's the whole thing that he's pointing out here? What's he talking about doing? Dying so that he might reproduce in others. So he's saying to me and you, if we're going to serve, if we're going to do that, we, have, we are going to have to die to ourselves in order for us to live the mission. We'll have to. So we have one master. Listen to what he says. Uh, he says, if you serve me, then you must follow me. So in essence, the leadership position in my life can't be me. And the leadership position in my life uh, can't be uh, when I'm talking about serving the Lord, when I feel like the Lord is calling me to serve and to do something, uh, it can't be anybody other than Jesus Christ. Now, the one person who always tries to wrestle away that position is not Tina. It's not, it's not Maddie or Anna Grace. The person who always stands in opposition to me following Jesus, you ready, is me. Is me. There's always a little voice in there saying, yeah, but you need to do this. Yeah, but you don't have time for that. And that voice, listen, I know you've got it. That voice is so convincing. Is anybody out there? Y'all just sort of staring at me right now. That voice is so convincing because it knows how to speak to you. Been with you since birth. Knows what to say to you. Knows how to talk you into not doing what God's talked you, tried to talk you into, right? And th that voice will say, well, you can't do that because, you know, Saturday you got this going and you got that going. And you can't really disciple anybody because, I mean, you're really a really busy person. And, and you don't have time for that because you're doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. Even though it's the one thing Jesus told you to do, I'm telling you, that voice is so convincing. The flesh, it's wicked, man. And it, and it doesn't, the, only, the problem with the voice of the flesh is that it's, it's wicked, but it doesn't sound wicked. Here's how it sounds. It sounds so soothing. It sounds like it makes sense. You don't need to do that. You don't need to get up and get in, get in the Word. You know, just get it when you can get it. And, and it sounds so convincing. But Jesus is saying, if you're going to serve me, you have to follow me. And one of the hardest things for a human to do is to follow. You ever notice that about me and you? Uh, now, I'm going to talk to the men for just a second, and I'm going to get some amens from the ladies, I guarantee you. Uh, have you ever noticed how when men go somewhere together, they all want to be in the front car? Has anybody ever noticed that? You ever go in it? I like that. I was like, ha, 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 ha. We want to just sit here. If you get a group of men together, here's what I learned. Uh, everybody wants to be in the lead car, right? Lead truck, what have you. Uh, and so, and I'm talking about myself too. And so one of the last times we went to Men of the Rock, I like to be the guy in the front, but I ended up being the guy in the back. And I was sitting in the back, and I said, I'm about to pass some of these jokers. You know, I'm not, not riding back here in the back. What in the world? And, and as I'm doing that, the, the Lord said, no, you stay right here and slow down and just be the last person. And it liked to kill me. <laughs> Tina's nodding her head over there. It liked to kill me. It's interesting, isn't it? One of the hardest things for the human to do is to what? follow. I, I spoke a little bit about this morning when I talked about chiefs and Indians. One of the hardest things for us to do is to follow. If you'll notice, sometimes there may be somebody who's done something before, 
and they've done it a few times before, and they've gotten, they've worked at it, learned. You know, we, the more we do stuff, the more we learn stuff, right? And maybe I've learned this. Somebody will be doing something, they've done it for a long time, and somebody will come for the first time to do it. And the person who's done it for a long time, obviously, should be the one doing what? Leading. And the one who's shown up and done it for the first time should be following, but never fails. I'll be listening. And that person that comes for the first time has all these ideas. And instead of just thinking through and talking about them at the end of the day, they want to interject them while things are trying to be done. You ever, you ever seen that? You ever done that? I have. The hardest, one of the hardest things for the human to do is to what? Follow. Is to follow. And it's why we struggle so much in this relationship with Jesus. Somewhere along the line, our flesh convinces us that we're co-equals. We're not renouncing him. We're not saying that he's not the Messiah. It's just that how we operate doesn't say that he's Lord. You, you with me? Because you've heard me say this before, double occupancy is a lie. We both can't be king. We both can't be driving. That'll st- bumper, I'll tell you the perfect bumper sticker for that mentality. You ready? Jesus is my co-pilot. What? So y'all are co-equals driving together? Wow. That's a dangerous way to live because the Scripture's principle is you got to get out of the, you got to die to the driving position and you have to follow. And so this evening I want you to think about one master, okay? So he says, those who serve me must also follow me. Let me make a statement and move on. Following requires great humility. <clears throat> In order for me to place myself under the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ, it requires great humility. Number two. Little number two, and then we have one more. So y'all hang with me. Are y'all okay? All right. Y'all seem like you're engaged, so I'm going to keep going. Uh, one, so, so we said little number one, under the position of our dying, there has to be one master. But number two, one mission. <clears throat> if you will write that down. <clears throat> Excuse me. One master, one mission. Still in verse number 26. So he says the person that serves me must also follow me. Serving, following, hand in hand. By the way, I wish you'd go out of here this week and serve Jesus. And every person that comes to your business or to your home, and I'm preaching to myself too, that we would treat them like we would treat Jesus. And we would share uh, our hearts with them. We'd share our testimonies with them. We'd invite them to come to Jesus. We'd invite them to come worship with us. He who loves his life will lose it, verse 25. And then verse 26, anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Think about that. Where I am, where is he? Uh, he came into the world on mission to seek and save that which was lost. Where is he in this particular passage? He's dying. He's about to die. He's in the process of, of, of accomplishing the mission through his death. And so he said, if you're going to serve me and follow me, you've got to be where I'm, you've got to be on that same mission to seek and save that which is dying and that which is lost. So uh, when Jesus is Lord, I'm going to, here's what I'm going to make the statement, then I'm going to move on. When Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, I'm going to be on mission. Every, I'm going to view everything as mission. I'm not, I'm not going to work, I'm being sent to work. I'm not going to school, I'm being sent to school. I'm not going, y'all with me? I, I'm, I'm always going with a purpose of talking about Jesus or inviting people to Jesus. There's, it's always on my heart. Isn't it interesting how that's usually the last thing we talk about? I'm supposed to be going with that one main goal, and yet sometimes it slips away. Uh, and so the thing is, we'll die to our plans, we'll die to our own directing, we'll die to that little voice that tries to talk us out of sharing our faith and sharing Jesus. There are going to be times this week, if you're more intentional about it, that little voice is going to talk to you. And he is, she is very convincing. Nobody here, the preacher's not here, don't worry about it. You just pray for him. Huh? Just pray for him on the inside. 
Don't say anything to them that's weird. Don't know what they're going to say back to you. They may look at you. They may get mad at you. Just pray for them on the inside. That's what that little voice. You're being super spiritual if you just stop right now in your, in your heart and pray for them. The power of a witness is their testimony. Silent witnesses are no, not much very, very effective. Matter of fact, if you showed up to court to testify and you didn't say a word, you have no benefit or bearing on the, on the, on the trial, the outcome. So, so this week, that voice, you get ready. That voice is going to speak to you, and I pray you wouldn't listen. But you listen to the voice of God. One master, one mission, okay? Now, if I could move on for just a moment to number five, and that's still in verse 26. Can you believe there are about three things we extracted out of verse 26? I love the fact the Word of God is full of nuggets of gold that we just have to mine for them, don't we? Verse 26, if anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. Now, not only is he talking here about mission, but he's also talking about location. One of these days, well, first of all, by dying to myself and, and, and receiving Jesus as Lord, where I am, he is, and where he is, I am. But then I'm also, if he's in me and I'm in him, I'm going to be on mission. See how those work together? But then also, ultimately, according to John 14, when I die, I'm going to where he is forevermore. And I can't wait to see him face-to-face. I don't know about you, but I think about that a lot. Some days when you feel like giving up, it's one thing that will encourage you. Say, one of these days I'm going to get to look in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to get to hug him. I'm going to get to hug him. All right, verse 26. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him, my father, help me somebody, will honor. Last one, number five, honor God and he'll honor you. You write that, I'm going to talk. Honor God and he will honor you. Followers of Christ die in order to live. It's reverse. It's the reverse. First, we said the purpose of the mission. What is it? Glorify God. They wanted to come talk to Jesus. He said, right now the purpose of the mission is the Father be glorified and the death of the Son. Secondly, the process of the mission is dying. We can't get there unless we die to ourselves. Third, the consequences of our choices. If we choose to live today and enjoy all the pleasures, temporary pleasures of the world and invest all our time there, we will miss it. But on the other hand, if we'll choose to die to our plans and agendas, we'll get to experience abundant life. Not when we die, but right here and right now. And then the position of our dying, one master, y'all help me, and one mission. And then finally, honor God and he will honor you. Listen to what Jesus says in closing. Also, if anyone serves me. So notice he goes back and repeats one word. He doesn't repeat the, uh, the, the, the following. He doesn't repeat all the other things. But the one thing he does repeat here is... Uh, where I am there, my servant will be also. And he's called, he said, if anybody serves me, verse 26. And then he says, uh, if anyone is my, there my servant will be. Second time he references serving. And the third time he says, if anybody serves me, him my father will honor. So then, if I'm dying to live, if I'm dying to what I want to do when I want to do it, and I'm dying to my plans and agendas, and I'm dying to just living life here and now, and I'm allowing Christ to live in me and through me, starting the day at his feet, letting his word wash over my way of thinking and my way of feeling, and then praying and spending time listening and talking to him, and then I launch out into my day, I'm telling you, I'm going to experience the abundant life. It's his promise. That's what abiding looks like. And if I'll do that, if I'll do that, if I'll honor him over me, what he'll do is honor me back. Now, that's not the reason that we do it, right? But it is a great reward. The promise of God that says if you'll honor him in your marriage, he'll honor your marriage. If you honor him in your finances, he'll honor your finances. Oh, and by the way, I got a tithing testimony this week. I'm not going to share a name. At some point, this person may share with the cold group. The person said for the first time ever, after hearing that message about, you know, my heart's not close to God if I'm not giving according to Malachi, 
I really just began praying. The Lord just touched me, and I just began for the first time in a while to give. And you wouldn't believe the testimony of things that have happened after that, the faithfulness of God. And the, and the person said, you know, you really can test God. And, and, and what I'm saying is the principle remains, if you honor God, he'll honor you. And so I want to challenge you tonight as we bow our heads together and close our eyes for just a moment that you and I would, in fact, honor God. Now listen, all right, I'm going I'm to say this to you really quickly with heads bowed and eyes closed. And if you give me just a little bit of light out there, uh, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just want to be able to see you just a little bit. Now, just thinking through this, isn't it wonderful to know that if we'll honor him, he'll honor us? Anybody think that's a great uh, guarantee from God? Because, see, the voice of your flesh will talk you into not honoring God because you're afraid if you honor God, it's going to cost you something. Now, listen, it'll cost you something, but never that you need. Nothing that you need will it ever cost you. And so that voice of our flesh will talk us out of doing it because it may cost you some, you know, people may think you're crazy. Or people may think you're weird. Or people may, and it'll cost you something, right? Your friend may not be your best friend. may not like what you have to say about, about Jesus. And so you're putting yourself this. And so there's this conversation in your head that says, you, you can't do that. You can't honor God in your marriage because what if you, as a husband, do the things God requires of you and she doesn't, as a wife, do what God requires of her? Or, ma'am, it may be you that the voice of the flesh says, well, if you, if you honor God in the marriage and, and, and help him and respect and encourage him, follow his leadership, and he doesn't he didn't, he didn't walk with God, he didn't do it, he didn't reciprocate by loving you like Christ loved the church, what then? And we're convinced that God won't honor us, and he will honor us. He promised he would. And we learned this morning very early that, that he's already ahead of us. And what he says, listen to me, will come to pass. You remember with me? He said, you go into the town, and when you do opposite of you, there's going to be the colt of a donkey tied up. Y'all remember? Anybody remembering? And, and the scripture says they went into that town, and they walked into the entrance, and, and it was just, anybody remember the words? It was just as he said was just exactly as he said. You know why? Because if he says it, it's as good as done. He who honors my father, my father will honor him. That's what Jesus said. If anybody serves me, him, my father will honor. Can I just tell you something tonight? You want God to honor you. Is that what's missing in your home, in your business, in your finances, in your relationships? Maybe the single life. Listen, I know the temptation's great. Sex outside marriage. And, but if you don't honor God, listen to me, he'll not honor you. He'll not adjust his system to fit you. Honor God and he'll honor you. Serve him and he'll honor you. That's true for all of us in every area of life. So here's the thing. You ready? He promises it, but. There's a but. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Here's the but. You ready? But it will require dying. You'll have to die to your way of thinking, my way of thinking, to your way of, of doing. And so tonight, wouldn't it be great if we just for a minute began to evaluate who we are, what shaped our thinking, our feelings, what's informed our decision-making, how we're living out our faith. Just for a minute. That's a big picture, so just take a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal if there's some areas of your life that need some dying. That need some dying because the voice of the flesh is strong and convincing voice of the flesh will tend to go to the worst case scenario. Some of you got some challenges ahead this week. All of us do. Some of you got some big decisions ahead. 
Some of you got some big talks to have. Some of you have some big moves to make. And the voice of the flesh will try to talk you into fear and try and rob your praise. But here's what he promised. You serve me, and I'll honor you. So, Father, tonight I pray in Jesus' name there'd be some dying happen in this room. There'd be some dying happen in the rooms and in the, in the, in the vehicles and the nurses' stations and the areas all around the world right now who are gathered with us and will be in the very near future. And I pray, Lord, in those times there'd be some dying, that we would die. There'd be some death to our, our own self. we quit listening so much to our own voice. Lord, I pray your kingdom would come and your will would be done in my heart. I wonder if you'd pray that prayer where you're seated tonight. Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done in my heart and my life. You can't do it for your husband, for your wife, for your children, for your mom, for your dad, for your cousin, for your best friend. You can only humbly submit yourself. So would you tonight, I ask you, would you tonight humbly submit yourself to the high king of heaven? If you've never invited Jesus to be Lord, he's gentle and lowly. He won't kick the door in. But tonight, possibly the events of your life, he's been wooing you and he desires you. And tonight would be a wonderful night to say yes to Jesus, trusting he died for you and that he rose again and that you're willing now to take your hand, put it in his hand and lead and follow him. Let him lead you. Confess him as Lord. Receive him tonight. If you know him, it would be a great night to draw near. It would be a great night to repent, turn away from the way things have been going. And invite God to direct your path. Father, I pray in Jesus' name as we stand to our feet in just a moment. Lord, would you move? I pray the altar would be a place where people can get along with you or come up and ask for prayer. Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in the midst of us right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please?